You're listening to Easier, a podcast about making life and work easier. I'm Anthony Wagner, and this is episode number 38. Each Wednesday, we'll embark on a journey together to discover the best tips for living and working more simply. I believe that when things are easier, we have more time for what matters most. This week, we're talking about how to beat procrastination with one amazing simple technique, the five-second rule by Mel Robbins. Then I've got a quick, fun computer trick to share with you. It'll spice up the things that you write when you're sitting in front of your computer. Let's get started. All right, this week is about procrastination, and we are diving into the five second rule by Mel Robbins. So, if you've never heard of Mel Robbins before, she is a, or she was, I'm not sure if she still is actually, but she was a CNN commentator, and she's now known most prevalently as being a motivational speaker. And she got her start, I believe, with her TED talk. She gave a TED talk called How to Stop Screwing Yourself Over. And in that talk, The last five minutes or so, she says, she talks about this technique called the five-second rule, which has turned into a best-selling book, which I've now read three times, I want to say. And it helps us to kind of find the motivation to get things done. So one thing I wanted to say before I jumped into exactly what the five-second rule is, is about procrastination. Mel Robbins, in her book, points out, and I think that this is really important It's a really important distinction to pay attention to. Procrastination, according to Mel Robbins, is not a form of laziness at all. It's a coping mechanism for stress. Robbins asserts that we procrastinate not because we are just lazy. I mean, every so often we'll we'll have things that we need to do and we just don't feel like it or we feel like kind of vegging out on the couch and, and watching TV or whatever. That's that's fine, but she says that in general, we do not procrastinate on things like a project at work or getting things done at home. We don't procrastinate on those because we're lazy, but more so because of stress. We have some kind of fear or anxiety or stress associated with the things that we really need to get done, and that is typically what stands in the way. She also points out, and these are her words, quote, the fear of sucking, of not being good enough, of feeling like a loser, None of us wants to face that reality, so we avoid it like the plague. And that tends to lead to procrastination. As much as we want to avoid the things that we're afraid of sucking at, that we're afraid of you know, causing us to look like a loser, we avoid them. And that procrastination then gets coded by society or in our own mind or some combination as being lazy. It's not that. So let's make a pact to kind of dispel that myth And to move forward with this idea that much of what we need to do that we procrastinate on comes from some emotional issue that we're facing. So what does she say we should do about it? Well, this is the beauty of the five-second rule. It's as simple as its title. According to Mel Robbins, the five-second rule is the moment you have an instinct to act, and I'm going to add on anything, she says on a goal, but on anything, You must count backward five, four, three, two, one in your head and then physically move or your brain will stop you. Let me repeat that. The moment you have an instinct to act on anything, 
you must 54321 and physically move or your brain will stop you. And I know that sounds like stupidly simple, right? Like that's never going to work. I started reading the five second rule a couple of years ago and I was actually at the gym and I remember trying it to get myself into a place where I could put myself on new exercise equipment, right? So if you've ever been kind of a someone who's not super athletically inclined or someone who's not familiar with exercise equipment and anyone who deals with kind of paying attention to what those around you think and as much as we, we could get into that, that's a, a topic for another episode. But when I was first going to the gym, I was really self-conscious about not looking stupid on the exercise equipment that I was not familiar with. And that actually kept me out of the gym for a very long time. I didn't even want to go because I was afraid of looking stupid. See here, this is a prime example, actually. Just This is totally organic. I didn't prep this example, but this is a perfect example of using the five-second rule and of procrastination. I knew that I should go to the gym. It was not that I was lazy and just didn't want to go. I was afraid of looking stupid by not knowing how to use the equipment. So I remember this was exactly the time that I was reading this book for the first time, and I found that using this technique, it's two parts, counting backward and then physically moving, got me to do the things that I was afraid of doing. So I would go and I would just kind of walk on the treadmill or use the elliptical when I first started. And at the Planet Fitness that I go to, you've got all the kind of cardio equipment on one half of the gym. And then on the other half is all of the weight training equipment. And there are a couple of other rooms for other stuff. But those are the two primary sections. And I would never kind of cross that line. (laughs) I would always stay on the cardio side because I was familiar with those pieces of equipment. And I was, you know, just really afraid of going over to the other side and looking stupid. So I found myself, as I was reading this, I actually tried it. I got off the cardio equipment and wiped it down. And then I had to, in my head, I counted backwards from five, four, three, two, one, and then just took the first step. And that gave me enough inertia to push me into the weight training side and actually sit on one of the pieces of equipment and try to figure it out. Now, as I've learned, first of all, you can actually look a lot of that equipment up on YouTube and see how it works before. Second of all, it's really not as complicated as it seems. And third, nobody really cares. Nobody is paying attention to you while you're at the gym. They're paying attention to their own stuff. So those combination of things, I definitely got on the equipment and started using it, but that was how I overcame that issue. I was procrastinating going over there, and this pushed me to do it. And you might be thinking, okay, this sounds nice. It sounds fluffy, but how is this really a thing? This can't really work. Well, the bulk of Mel Robbins' book is talking about why it works and where this comes from. And she grounds much of her assertions in science. So she cites a neuroscientist named Antonio Damasio in her book. And she says that he says that it's our feelings that decide for us 95% of the time. You feel before you think you feel before you act. She says that, as Damasio puts it, human beings are feeling machines that think, not thinking machines that feel. And ultimately, that's how we make decisions, based on how we feel. And in overcoming that, this rule helps us to really do two things. First, counting backward interrupts habits, and it forces your brain to mentally shift away from your feelings. That, that actual backwards counting has a physiological 
thing about it (laughs) that helps us to interrupt those feelings. And then the physical movement, which I actually find the physical movement to be the more important piece of this, the physical movement helps us to override that kind of desire to stay put and gives us the inertia to move forward. And so one of my favorite examples of this, or maybe it's not favorite, but it's the one I find myself using all the time, is sitting in my recliner in my living room, battling in my head whether or not I should get up and go do whatever it is, whether it's wash the dishes or work on my podcast or do whatever. I will be sitting in my recliner watching TV, typically with something in the background and like mindlessly scrolling through my phone or whatever it is. And I will be thinking to myself, all right, I got one more video that I can watch on YouTube or okay, one more episode of this show before I get up. And then that next episode comes and I have not gotten up. Every time I think about the five second rule or I think what I need to do and I am conscious of it, I start that countdown in my head. Five, four, three, two, one. And then I physically move. And in the cases of my recliner, it's just putting the kind of the footrest down. And that's all it takes. By the time I've put that footrest down, I've overcome that, you know, that inertia of wanting to stay put and move into doing what I need to do. It works every single time. It's actually pretty crazy how well it works. So the five second rule, again, it accomplishes those two things. It The counting helps you to interrupt your kind of self-talk. You're, you're convincing yourself that, oh, I don't feel like doing this right now. And the physical movement helps you to gather enough momentum to overcome the inertia of sitting still. So another way that you can think about this is I, I posted a while ago when I was using Instagram, I um, and I forget where I heard this. It was somewhere. So if anyone recognizes where this idea comes from, please let me know because it's I'd really love to attribute the author. But the idea that we believe that in order to take action, we first must be inspired and then we feel motivated enough to take action, right? So again, most of us think inspiration leads to motivation, which then leads to action. But what we fail to realize is that this is actually a loop. It's not linear. It goes in a circle. Inspiration leads to motivation, which leads to action, which leads back to inspiration again. And so logically, what we can do is we can shift the beginning. If they all feed into one another, we can understand and then act on the fact that action causes us to be inspired. We don't have to wait until we're feeling in the mood to do whatever. I know that that was something I used to do a lot. I would wait and wait and wait and I would, you know, just say, I don't feel like this. I'm not in the mood to work. But what I have found is that action, when you actually start doing the thing, you've actually gotten started, that leads you into the productive, inspired, you know, kind of motivated mood. So they feed into each other and you can consciously choose to start. That's all it takes. And the five second rule comes here really into play because it's the thing that helps you to get started. It helps you to overcome that. I'm just going to sit on the couch and, you know, watch TV. This is a really powerful mindset shift. And this wasn't actually also something that I'd planned to discuss on the show today, but I have kind of developed this idea of transition tasks. And maybe there's another more formal definition of something like this, but this is just something that I think of in my own mind, sometimes kind of warming up toward action to overcoming procrastination is what we need. And so 
when I'm really, you know, I first wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm tired. I just want to sit and either read a book or I just want to scroll on my phone or whatever it is. But I know I need to work on lightning my technology business or I need to work on easier my podcast or help a client, whatever it is. I know that I've got to get that stuff done and I just don't feel like it. One way that I can overcome that is by first starting with the five second rule and then using that to move myself into what I call a transition task, meaning something, a task that kind of bridges both worlds, but is it allows me for a little bit of a smoother start. Let me give you an example. Working on my podcast or on my tech business, a lot of times I just need to kind of get myself warmed up for work. And the way I do that, podcasts are an excellent way. They're short enough. You know, 20 minutes is enough time for me to sit and listen. It gets my brain going. It gets me kind of thinking creatively. It gets me, uh, you know, planning and all that kind of stuff. And it's enough that by the time the episode is over, I'm much more in a space where I am kind of inspired. And that certainly helps me with the motivation. So the action that I'm taking first is not just kind of cold starting into work, although that does work too. But I will five second rule, five, four, three, two, one, and then physically move my hand and start finding a podcast episode. Get started. And by the time that episode, that transition task is done, I am in a space that, you know, I've kind of done the whole loop, action, inspiration, motivation. I've given myself the inspiration and the motivation to take action on the next thing. So I wasn't necessarily planning to talk about that on this episode, but you know, it's definitely relevant. It came to my mind. So I'm sorry if it's a little maybe rambly. I didn't, I didn't plan it. So hopefully that was helpful to you. Anyway, I wanted to finish out this discussion on the five second rule because it's so simple. There's really not a whole lot to talk about. You got it. It's just that count backwards and physically move, do those two things. And as soon as, as soon as you think about it, as soon as that inspiration strikes and it will work for you, I guarantee it. It has literally changed how I've thought about work and getting started. I wanted to give you a few examples of times to use this. And there's a couple that may actually surprise you from Mel Robbins book that it just makes it worth reading because of what she talks about. So the first thing that I want to say here is, this is actually another quote from from her book, but she says this, that Quote, so I made myself a simple promise. If I knew that I should do something that could change me for the better, then I would use the rule to push myself to do it regardless of how I felt, end quote. And that's really profound. You know, it gives it gives you the power. It it returns the the ability to you, to your conscious thought. It's not about when I feel like it and how do I get to a space where I feel like it and my feelings, blah, blah, blah you can consciously push yourself to do the things that, as she says, change you for the better. And that is, it's just brilliant. And so I'm really excited to be sharing it with you. And some of the ways that she uses this that are a bit unusual that I found also work. First is the the, um, kind of getting yourself off your butt to do things. That's definitely an incredibly powerful way and a very practical one. But there are others that she talks about. The first, where this all started for her in her book is that she was, for a very long stretch of her life, she was kind of really brought down by anxiety and it caused her to develop this habit of hitting the snooze button and not getting out of bed in the morning. And while there's science behind why that's not healthy, she just was so stuck. And 
what she explains is that she developed this rule because I think she was watching something on TV and there was like a rocket launch and she said, I'm going to launch myself out of bed tomorrow. I'm going to count five, four, three, two, one and do it. And she didn't realize that she was stumbling into something that actually had some scientific weight behind it. And so getting out of bed is another way to use this rule that the second you wake up, you count five, four, three, two, one, and then physically start moving. That's all it takes overcoming that kind of sleepy inertia and it works there. Another one, and this is one that I'm starting to try because this is something I personally struggle with is in my communication and in how I interface with others. A lot of times, and I'm starting to get better at this, and that's actually for sure going to be the topic for an upcoming episode about how to better communicate with others because I'm reading a phenomenal book right now and I'm so excited to share it with you. But my communication has been kind of tricky. You know, I sometimes get in the space where I feel like people are being really inconsiderate in the way that they're communicating and that sets me off. And what the problem that I'm trying to deal with now is that my reactions are my responsibility, not what they said, right? They may say something, but I don't have to react or respond in the ways that I am. And what I'm finding is you can actually use the five-second rule to adjust your attitude and your feelings during conversations that you don't really care for, whether this is an argument with your partner or whether this is a more heated discussion in a meeting or with a coworker, anything like that. An option you have available to you now is when you're in that space and you're realizing that you're stressed and you're going to respond in a way that's unproductive, use the five second rule. And the way that would work for me is five, four, three, two, one. And the physical motion is a big, deep breath big deep breath. That is the physical motion I would take. And that interrupts that kind of anger or frustration that's building. And I'm finding that it really does work. The trick here is remembering to do it and and keeping that in the forefront of your mind as you're in a more heated situation. Another thing that I'm going to give you a little teaser from this book. I'm not going to give you the book name yet because I want you to, to stick around for, for that episode because it's so good. And I'm not done reading it yet. But a teaser from that book is actually a mindfulness technique where you note your feeling. So I would amend the five-second rule in this case to use the five-second rule when you're in those tense situations, five, four, three, two, one, big deep breath, and then identify what feeling it is that you're feeling and allow yourself to feel it. This gives you space to process the emotion. It gives you the space to potentially let it go and also gives you a pause that allows you to respond without a reaction, right? A response is something that you're kind of consciously choosing. A reaction is instantaneous. You're not just reacting. You're actually giving yourself time to craft a thoughtful response. So those two techniques combined, oh man, I am really excited. (laughs) As much as I don't want to say like, oh my God, I can't wait to get into another argument, but Sitting in traffic. This is where I'm kind of practicing. And actually today, it's Saturday. It's unusual for me to be recording on a Saturday, usually it's Sunday, but it's a beautiful day. And I've planned today to go shopping, which I really kind of love to do. But I am putting myself through the ringer. Today, it's Saturday. Right now, I'm recording. It's 1130 in the morning. And so by the time I'm done with this and get to the stores, it'll be 1230, 1 o'clock. And I'm planning to go to Ikea, to Costco, (laughs) and potentially to the grocery store. And if you've ever been into one of those stores on a weekend, you know 
that it's like walking through a sardine can packed with people. It gets very crowded, and my inclination typically is to get really frustrated when <laughs> when people are in my way. Again, people who are being inconsiderate, or better way to put it, people who are focused on themselves like we all are. This is a kind of a proving ground. I'm going to go there and I'm going to test these new skills. So I'm going to make a note really qu- really quick to update you on how this went. So give me one second. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. Part of me, part of me really, I, I know I keep laughing about this because it's really silly, but seriously, I'm going to use this as a test of, of patience, of the five second rule and of these techniques from the book, the, the secret book that I'm reading right now. Uh, I'm, I'm using this as a test today. So part of me wants to take my, my podcasting equipment with me and talk through it. But I know that if I do that, I won't actually be testing it in a, in the right way. So I will definitely update you on that test on how this goes today at the beginning of next week's episode. So, so definitely stick around for that. So that's another way to use the five second rule is to kind of check your attitude. And then the last two that I wanted to touch on are, are really, profound and powerful for folks who struggle with bad habits or who struggle with anxiety. And what Mel Robbins did is she used this to beat her anxiety. And by no means am I saying that this is the substitute for professional medical advice, for professional psychological advice, anything like that. But this is something that you can try if you struggle with anxiety or with bad habits. You can use this rule to help adjust that. Mel Robbins did. She points out that this is the biggest success she's had with the rule is is overcoming her anxiety. So what she says, and this is another quote, is, as soon as I catch myself worrying, I use the rule 54321 and I think of something more positive. Again, as soon as she catches herself worrying, she uses the rule, she counts 54321 and she thinks of something more positive. And she also talks about the idea that she prepares some positive things that she can revert to to overcome that anxiety. She uses a metaphor in her book, which I find incredibly profound about anxiety, and that is that anxiety sometimes is justified and sometimes is not, and it's the times that it's not that really are tough. For example, she says that you're driving in traffic and you get cut off on the freeway and your brain and your body seize up and they go into that anxious mode because of what happened. And your brain then recognizes, okay, this happened. I'm safe now. I can go back to stasis. I can go back to normal. And the anxiety dissipates. Great. The problem is when you have those feelings that seized up, oh my God, I'm about to get, you know, run off the road in traffic without anything happening. You could be standing in your kitchen drinking coffee and that happens. And what happens then is your brain says, what's causing this? Why am I flipping out? What is happening? And there's nothing to break the cycle. It's like being run off the road in traffic while standing in your kitchen. And she explains that this is what her anxiety feels like to her. And so she uses the five-second rule as a substitution for her brain scanning the environment to find that the threat has passed. She counts five, four, three, two, one, and then she tries to replace what's going on with something positive. Also, she says she asks herself two questions. What am I grateful for in this moment? And what do I want to remember? She says that when you ask that the simple questions, you impact your brain at a biological level. In order to respond, you have to take stock of your life, relationships, and work, and search for an answer in the moment. She also adds that feeling grateful doesn't just feel good. 
According to a different neuroscientist, Alex Korb, it changes your brain chemistry by activating the brainstem region that produces dopamine. Okay, I just threw a bunch of stuff at you, but the short version of it is 54321, think of something more positive, something you're grateful for, and or what you actually want to remember, especially gratitude. If you can force your brain into thinking about gratitude, it releases dopamine, a chemical neurotransmitter that helps to interrupt that anxious pattern. How powerful. It's like you're able to give yourself your own kind of shot around anxiety. It helps you to beat that pattern. So if anyone tries that, I am very grateful that I don't struggle too badly with anxiety. I'm very grateful that that's not something that I struggle with. But I know folks who do. Several of my close friends do. And my boyfriend does. And so I'd be very curious to know if this works for any of you. This is this is really powerful, and Mel Robbins swears by it. So please let me know. Shoot me an email, leave a comment in the show notes. I'll leave that link at the end. Come over to Facebook and post it on the episode there. Anything that you want, I'd love to hear from you on this to, to see if it actually works for you. Then the last thing I will share with you is this is a, a great way to help you adjust your habits. So she references Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit, And this actually, again, they really fit well together. She says that you have to, just like Duig says, in order to kind of beat back a bad habit, habits don't just go away. But in order to, to kind of get rid of the bad habit is you have to replace it with something good. And so you can use the five second rule again to help you overcome that initial inertia. And so for instance, if you're a smoker, again, you're, you're really combating neurochemistry here in that the chemicals are addictive, but you can try to replace your physical habit with something more healthy. Maybe you could five, four, three, two, one, and you know, reach for a piece of gum, or let's say you want to develop the habit to start brushing your teeth and then flossing. You put down your toothbrush, 54321, and pick up the floss and start that to develop a better habit. So that's just another opportunity for you to give this rule a shot and really test out how it works for you. I know that for me, the best thing is getting my butt moving and doing things that are productive, but there are so many more powerful uses of this, this rule and the teachings from her book. So I highly encourage you, if you this has at all piqued your interest in this rule, to go grab a copy of The Five Second Rule. Phenomenal, phenomenal book. And I've got a link in the show notes, of course, and I encourage you either to read the, the paper or the Kindle book, the ebook, or to grab it on Audible. Mel Robbins reads this book herself, and it's always great to hear the authors reading their own work. So I hope that this This rule helps you to do the things that are important to you and to overcome and beat that procrastination back to where it came from. Are you a small business owner, an entrepreneur? Maybe you're just interested in starting your own side hustle. If that's you, I've started a blog that you've got to check out. It's called Lightning Technology, and it's all about creating and curating the best tech advice, news, and services that grow your business. I'm creating a one-stop shop to help you deal with the mountain of tech that faces business owners. Everything I offer on Lightning is simple, written in plain English, meaning no tech speak, and answers the question, how does this grow my business? Seriously, every piece of content has the answer to that question at the end. So no matter what type of business you're in, if you're using tech at all, this is a blog for you. 
Check it out now at lightningdetroit.com. Again, that's lightningdetroit.com. All right, back to the show. All right, it's time for a quick make work easier. And this week I have a really fun, super useful, and little known Windows hack for you. Did you know that Windows, Microsoft, in one of their more recent versions of Windows 10, has added a feature for emoji? There's a keyboard shortcut that as you're typing, you can press this keyboard shortcut and it will pop up with a searchable emoji keyboard for you to use. When I say searchable, it's like you you hit the keyboard shortcut and you type heart and it finds all the hearts and you can click one or use your keyboard to find to select one. You can type music and it'll give you the microphones and the the music icons. It's really freaking cool. I love it. I use it all the time. I've been finding that I'm using emoji in a bunch of different ways like in my goals document that I have. I'm using the fast forward emoji to sh- to represent goals that I've made progress on. I'm using the pause emoji for goals that I'm not really working on at the moment and the stop emoji for ones that I haven't made progress on but need to pay more attention to. Awesome use there. It's also great for if you message on Facebook or you text from your computer or whatever. This is a, a sweet little trick. So how do you do it? It's so easy. As you're typing, all you have to do is hit the Windows key and the period on your keyboard together. And you have to make sure that you're on the right version of Windows. But I know that if you're on the most recent version, you'll have it. If you need help getting checking that out, feel free to head over to Lightning and you can go to lightningdetroit.com and you know send me a, a note there or send me a note here, wherever you want, and I can help you figure that out if it's not working for you. But that's all you got to do. You're typing, you hit Windows key period, and the keyboard will pop up and you can type and search for the emoji that fits what you're looking for. It's really awesome. It's really simple. And I love tricks like this. So I hope you get a lot of use out of it. And if you're leaving me any comments, feel free to insert an emoji into them. Uh, you know, always, always get a good time out of a good emoji. And that's it for episode number 38 of Easier. Remember to 54321 and physically move. It's the five second rule by Mel Robbins, and it's going to help you to beat back that procrastination. Also, use the emoji keyboard because emoji makes life a little bit more fun. Do you have any tips, techniques, or tools for making life or work easier? If so, I'd love to hear from you at podcast at easiercast.com or leave a comment in the show notes at easiercast.com slash 38. That's right. This week is easiercast.com slash 38. Also, look for Easier Podcast on Facebook. I curate the best content from around the web and from the books that I love that help make life and work easier. You won't find it anywhere else but on Facebook. Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from the tips that I've covered in this episode, please be sure to share it with them. Hopefully, every share means that someone, somewhere, we'll find more time for what matters most to them. Thank you, as always, so much for listening. Until next week, here's to an easier life. Bye for now.